Do you want to be healthy? Do you want to be fit? Do you want to be strong? Do you want to be lean? Do you want to stay young for a long time? Do you want to have great quality of life for the rest of your life? And if I asked a reverse question of that, do you want to be or do you want to get old fast? Do you want to have a slow metabolism? Do you want to be unfit? Do you want to be unhealthy? Do you want to be weak and frail? Uh, probably the answer is no. So if you are an exercise professional like I am, so from one exercise professional to another, some really great questions to ask. But also if you are a, a coach, a parent, a teacher, or you are a healthy, fit, strong human being who wants to stay that way for the rest of your life, uh, how do we inspire and excite other people who may not be healthy, fit and strong? So how do we get people to start? If they start, how do we get them to keep going? And how do we get them to keep going for a long time? So there's a lot of people that, well, there's a lot of people that don't want to exercise. And if you have a look at those numbers, it's really interesting, depending on which country you look at in the Western world. But the statistics will suggest that somewhere between eight uh, and nine people out of 10, so 90 80, 90 people out of 100 don't want to exercise. They might think they need to. They might, uh, their doctor might tell them that they should. Their partner might say, you need to lose some weight. Uh, and even if they are exercising irregularly, or even if they are going to the gym or they are doing a regular exercise plan, they might not be liking it. So let's have a look at that number. Eight to nine people out of 10 either don't want to exercise or they don't love it. So as an exercise professional, what am I going to do? How do I inspire and excite people to start to keep doing it and not to stop for the rest of their life? And the people that start and stop are the interesting ones because usually that's because I want to lose weight so they lose weight and then they stop exercising. Or I want to get into great shape for an event so they get into great shape for that event and then they stop exercising. And I use getting married as an example. A lot of people have shared with me, both men and women, I'm getting married. I want to look great on my wedding day. So they do all this hard work and exercise and healthy eating plan and dieting and get into great shape for their wedding and they have their photos taken. And then that's the last time in their life that they ever look really great or they're really healthy or they're in great physical condition uh, and they look at those photos for the rest of their life and go didn't I look good then well that's not what I'm about and I'm sure you as an exercise professional and most importantly as a parent teacher coach uh, it's not about now healthy fit and strong what about the future what about long term how about we don't get people yo-yoing as I call it where we lose weight gain weight lose weight gain weight lose weight find it again and we stay on that yo-yo dieting merry-go-round for the rest of our life so what do I need to do as an exercise professional to excite and inspire people to start to keep exercising and stay exercising for the rest of their life? And if we go back to zero-based thinking, as we call it in business, so if there were no gyms, if there were no exercise pieces of equipment, if there were no diets, if there were no, no nutritional supplementation, no pills, powders, programs, potions, Everything that we're so used to uh, in the exercise profession and anything to do with healthy eating and well-being, if we went back to zero-based thinking, so we had none of those things, what would we inspire people to do and how would we do it? And one of the things that's been a big driving force for me as an exercise professional is uh, how does the human body work and how do I get it working at its peak, at its best? 
How do I become a person who's full of energy? I work and perform and do my best at everything that I do. How do I make sure that I look good all of the time, long term? And whatever I'm eating, whatever I'm doing, whatever activity I'm doing, how do I make sure that I'm getting the results from that eating exercise plan that I want to get? So I always ask those four questions. And if I'm, and I'll go back one step, as an exercise professional, uh, what are our responsibilities? What should we be able to do for people? Uh, And if we had no tools, if we had no uh, toys to play with, if we had no pieces of equipment or facilities or anything to be able to inspire and excite people with, could we do it with nothing? So if there were no gyms, no equipment, no diets, what would we be able to do to get people healthy, fit and strong and stay that way for the rest of their life? So if I then go back to the fundamentals of how do I get people fit and how do I get people strong? And I'm asking that question because I believe as an exercise professional, that's my, I think there's three responsibilities and those two responsibilities are incredibly important. And then the third one is uh, about each individual person. So let's just cover them off without any gyms, exercise programs, diets, nutritional plans, supplementation, no toys, just what are the fundamentals? And if we want to understand the fundamentals, would we have to go back to basics, which is how does the human body work? Which as an exercise professional, I think, again, is our responsibility. Should we know, should we understand how the human body works? Not just from that little tinkling noise you can hear on my tiles, that's my puppy dog, Brutus, who's 20 years of age. And uh, talk about living long and strong and having great quality of life. I wish the quality of life that he's had, I wish for everybody. And we often joke at our house, wouldn't it be great to come back if you believe in any kind of reincarnation? Wouldn't it be great to come back as one of Rowie's or K-Man's puppy dogs? Because at our house, it's all about high performance, high energy, uh, fresh air and sunshine, positive attitude, and making sure that you are those four things that I always talk about. Uh, performing at your best, a stack of energy, you love the way you look and you're getting the results that you want from your eating and exercise plan. Now, I don't think Brutus cares how he looks, but he's obviously what he's been doing has worked incredibly well for him because most puppy dogs don't live to be 20 and with such great quality of life. So what's that got to do with humans? How do I get fit? How do I get strong? Are the fundamentals of anatomy and physiology. So I always ask these questions of course, of an exercise professional, and I ask of myself daily. But if you're a coach, a parent, a teacher, or if you are a person who wants to be healthy, fit, and strong, should we know and understand the fundamentals of what exercise does for the human body, or the reverse of that? If I want to be fit and if I want to be strong, how do I? How does that happen inside my body? So, if you start with the inside, you've got the skeletal system, the muscular system the central nervous system and the endocrine system which fires up your muscular and skeletal system obviously the cardiovascular and respiratory system which is your heart and lungs and blood flow and oxygen supply uh the digestive system digestive system which is how to feed everything or put everything into your body that your body needs vitamins minerals phytochemicals fiber antioxidants And then one that's really interesting now as a human race, should we understand, really understand how the immune system works? So if we want to stay healthy so we can fight germs, bugs, viruses and diseases, 
if we want to have a body that everything that, that the world throws at it, uh, every every whether man manufactures a manufactures a virus or we're just attacked by some um, weird um, food poisoning or something that happens to us, should we have a human body that can handle any of the junk, rubbish, germs, bugs, viruses, and diseases that the world is now throwing at us? And if we've got a strong immune system, which is built inside our bones, and I always get really excited about that because we talk about the skeletal system as exercise professionals, but if I've got strong muscles pulling on my strong bones, is it possible then that I'll have a strong immune system? And isn't that exciting? So if there's three things that an exercise professional should know and understand, and if you're a coach, a parent, a teacher, or somebody who wants to be healthy, fit, and strong for the rest of your life, should we understand how to get fit and how to get strong? What makes the body fit and what makes the body strong? So if you are a max exercise professional, that's the first two big parts of your max program. Uh, and there's only really only three parts, but the first part is how do I get the human body fit? If the whole world right now, every single human being in the world, was as fit as we could possibly be, so our heart and lungs were fit, we were pumping oxygen, blood, vitamins, minerals, phytochemicals, antioxidants through our body, how different would everybody's life be if I was really fit? Think about hair, skin, nails, eyes, uh, posture posture, energy, how would my brain be working, would I have a stronger immune system? So that's from a fitness point of view. But if I want to get, <clears throat> if I get excited, if I want to get fit, I have to be strong. Because to get fit, I've got to get puffed. And the beautiful thing about the respiratory and cardiovascular system, it's blind. It doesn't have any eyes. <laughs> so it doesn't know what we're doing to get puffed. So whether we want to go dancing or biking or hiking or doing a martial art or playing a sport or punching, kicking, cross-trainer, treadmill, rowing machine, doesn't matter as long as we're getting puffed. And when I say puffed, to make change in your body, do you want to work at 50% effort? Do you think that's going to work? What kind of result will I get if I put in 50% effort versus what will be the return on my investment if I put in 100% effort? And that's where I get really excited because if I get puffed, I make 100% change to the inside of my body. My respiratory and cardiovascular system has to work as hard as it possibly can because I'm putting in 100% effort. Now, I then have to fire up my central nervous system and my endocrine system to make that happen. And then I'm, if I put in 100% effort, I get 100% result. But the really exciting thing, if I go back to my zero-based thinking, for the 90% of people that don't like to exercise, to get puffed at 100% effort is about 10 seconds. As we know as exercise professionals, there's three energy systems in the body. We have the phosphate system, the lactate system, and the aerobic system. And if you work in that first system, the phosphate system, the firing, think phosphate firing, phosphate firing, if you work in that first 10 seconds, that's where you have to put in 100% effort, otherwise you won't be using your phosphate system. And it is actually designed for when we were uh, fighters, hunters, we had to survive, we either had to run away, sprint from the animal, not jog away, not walk away. We had to sprint away from the wild animal that was chasing us or the wild tribe that was chasing us. Or we had to turn and fight it. So we only had a very short period of time to fire up the body and we had to go from zero to 100% in a really short period of time. So how does that relate to exercise? 
Why do we give people such long, boring exercise programs where they're working at 40, 50, 60% effort, when if we put in 100% effort, we get 100% return on our investment? So there's a great question. If I want to get fit, I've got to get puffed. How long does it take me to get puffed? And if it's the phosphate system, boom, it's 10 seconds. So what if at zero-based thinking to inspire those 80 to 90% of people who don't want to do any exercise, what if the exercise program we gave them was so short that they just had to fire up 10 seconds and get their breath back? Now, the beautiful thing, and I have to share this because it's not just the cardiovascular, respiratory system, phosphate system, muscles and bones. What about the firing mechanism of the brain, the central nervous system? Because the chemicals that we have to produce to be able to sprint, which is epinephrine, adrenaline, uh, cortisol, which are stress movement drugs, uh, they're the ones that make sure that we can go. But what happens after we've gone is that we've dispersed those movement drugs which we now then have to have a replacement, a change of chemistry in our brain, which we now produce serotonin, which is a satisfaction neurotransmitter. We produce dopamine, which is a reward transmitter. We feel good, we feel satisfied, we feel rewarded. And most importantly, we produce, I think most importantly, brain-derived neurotropic factor, which is a fertilizer for your brain. So we now have neuroplasticity, which is I think differently, I can think more clearly, I can make better decisions. We also have neurogenesis, which is, uh, is actually new brain cells produced. So imagine a world where people were exercising at 100% intense effort, getting 100% return on their investment, turning their body into a high performance machine and turning their brain into a, a chemical producing machine that allowed us to think more clearly, make better decisions, be more creative. Uh, I'll get pretty excited about that. How about you? So that's just the fundamentals of getting fit. Go as hard as you can. Get your breath back. Go again if you want to, but you don't have to go straight away. So what if we created a program for people that we just chose something that they like to do or something that they hated the least? So what do you love to do? It doesn't matter. Again, I'll share. Whether it's biking or hiking or rowing machine or cross trainer or treadmill or boxing or dancing or martial arts or running up some stairs or sprinting on the spot or doing push-ups, heart and lungs don't know. All the heart and lungs know is if I'm putting in 100% effort and I have to produce 100% get the hell out of there, I'm now going to get fit because I've gotten puffed. So get puffed to get fit. So as an exercise professional, number one fundamental, do I need to be able to help people to understand how to get fit? To get fit, I've got to get puffed. Easy. Number two as an exercise professional, I can't do any of that if I'm weak. I have to be strong. So if I'm strong, I've got strong muscles, strong bones, strong ligaments, strong tendons, strong brain, because every time I overload my body, my muscles and bones, heart and lungs, I also produce those neurotransmitters that give me a stronger brain. But I can't sprint really hard, I can't punch hard, I can't kick hard, I can't jump high, I can't turn my body into a germ bug, virus fighting, high performing machine if I'm weak. So how do I get strong? How do I make sure that every single muscle, bone, ligament, tendon, joint in my body is really strong? And once again, this is so simple and so beautiful. Uh, the human body, to get strong, has to be overloaded. 
but our muscles and bones are blind and they can't count. Isn't that awesome? In our profession with our bells and whistles and toys and equipment and gyms and programs and pills and potions, we seem to get so caught up in numbers. But the, the human body, the, the muscles, the bones that we have inside us, they can't count. They don't know whether we've done 10 or 9 or 7 or 13. And it's interesting because everything about the exercise profession seems to be focused on numbers. But if I ask this question, if, I, if I'm going to get strong, I have to overload my muscles. How do I know how many of an exercise a person can do? I don't know how many I can do today. It depends on how much sleep I've had, how stressed I am, what my nutrition's been like, how happy I am to be exercising, what else is going on in my life. So if I, if I want somebody to be strong, all I've got to do is overload every single muscle, bone, ligament, tendon, joint, endocrine system, central nervous system in their body. And there's only one central nervous system and one endocrine system. Uh, but it's just overload. And the, the more muscles I use at the same time, the more uh, effort I put in. So again, it's none of this 50% effort. How heavy can I lift? If I put in, if I do little exercises, I'm going to get little results. If I do big exercises, I'm going to get big results. If I use as many muscles as possible at the same time, keep going till I can't do any more. If I think I could possibly do one more than I do, which then changes my brain chemistry, of course, because I didn't think I could do, oh, I'm going to do another one, going to do another one, going to do another one. Oh, I did do another one. And I didn't think I could. So now I'm going to change my brain chemistry so that I think differently, I think stronger, I think more powerfully. So if I want to get fit, I have to get strong. If I want to be strong, and I'll rephrase, would I ever want to be weak? I can never understand why people say to me, oh, I'm good, good to do huffy puffy exercise, but I'm not interested in doing strength training. Well, how do we do our very best huffy puffy cardiovascular go as hard as we can exercise if we have weak muscles and bones? To get strong bones, strong muscles, remember muscles, strong muscles pull on strong bones, which then means a strong immune system, which means I'm less likely to get sick and less likely to pick up germs, bugs, viruses, and diseases. If I want to get strong, I just need to make sure that I'm using every single muscle and bone in my body and make sure I keep going till I can't do any more. Now, what is that number? All we have to focus on, again, are those three systems, phosphate, lactate, aerobic. The 100% effort system is the phosphate system. So if I want to get really strong, I've got to work in that 100% system, which means I'm going to be going for about 10 seconds, which means how many exercises can I do? I always laugh. I literally laugh now as an exercise professional because so many people talk about three sets of 10 or you've got to go to do five sets of eight or you've got to go to the gym for an hour or you've got to do 27 exercises. How about we pick the exercises that work as many muscles as possible at the same time? How about we keep going till we can't do any more? How about we stay in the energy system that's going to give us the best results, which is around about the 10 seconds, which means I'm not going to lift light weight, because if I lift light weight, I'm going to keep going and going and going and going. And apart from being bored to tears, I won't be overloading my muscles. To overload, I've got to lift more than I think I can. So at the start, if we go back to basics, what do I do? What's the best way to exercise? Let's pick a weight, any weight, and let's do an exercise that's going to use as many muscles as possible, which of course, there's really only three movement patterns in the human body. We can push, 
we can pull and we can lower our body down and get back up again. So I'll use just one exercise as an example. If I've got something really heavy on the ground and I pick it up, so I bend down and really slow and control because if I do it fast, I'll get injured. If I get injured, I can't do anything. If I don't hold it close to my body, I'm going to put too much stress on my joints. So if I pick up something really heavy up off the ground and I lift it, and I'll put it back down again. Think about the muscles and bones that I'm using. I'm using my hands, my forearms, my upper arms, my shoulders, my upper back. Obviously, I'm using my chest because, <laughs> it, and I'll just use that as an example. If you've ever had any kind of injury with your upper body and you try and lift something up off the ground, it'll tell you pretty quickly that you're using all, even if you think you're just using your legs, you can't pick something up off the ground without using all of your upper body muscles as well. The interesting one is the abdominals and lower back. We always talk about the core, which, by the way, is not an anatomical term. It's just been made up by somebody I don't know who. But the human body is designed to work in the upright position, and the muscles that hold us in the upright position are our abdominal muscles working in conjunction with our lower back muscles to hold us upright. So if I bend down and bend my knees, pick up something up off the ground... Obviously, my abdominals and my lower back muscles are going to be working incredibly hard because otherwise I'd fall over. And if it's heavy, the thing that I'm lifting up off the ground, my abdominals have to work as hard as they will ever work because that's the functional position for abdominals. We never, ever do anything lying on the ground as humans. The only thing that we're good for lying down is sleeping. And ultimately, there's only two positions for the human body, lying down and standing up. I don't know who invented the sitting position, and it certainly wasn't, it's not a position that the human body works well in. Our brain works 7% better in the upright position, medical professionals will share with us, the neuroscientists. Uh, the exercise physiologists and the people that count metabolisms and calories and base metabolic rates will tell us that we, we burn 7% more calories in the upright position. So the brain works better, the body works better, and every single muscle in your body has to work harder to hold you in the upright position. And that's obvious because a lot of people sit down because they get tired. Uh, I get tired because I have to use more muscles in the upright position. So if I'm using every single muscle in my body, and let's think about that, I'm picking something heavy up off the ground, I keep lifting and I put it down, I lift it, I put it down, I'm using every single muscle in my body, I keep going until I can't do any more. If I can do more than 10 seconds, <laughs> I've got to lift a heavier weight. Otherwise, I'm going to get bored and I'm going to be in the wrong system for getting 100% results. So I'm not going to be doing very many of those. So let's wrap that all up. How do I get strong? Lift heavy and don't lift very many. How do I get fit? Go as hard as you can, which isn't for very long. And how long do I need to do that for? Well, you might do uh, 10 seconds, get your breath back and do another 10 seconds in an hour's time and do another 10 seconds in two hours' time and do another 10 seconds in five hours' time. Or you might say, I've got 20, seconds, or 20 minutes to exercise or 30 minutes to exercise, so I'm going to go as hard as I can, get my breath back, go as hard as I can, get my breath back, go as hard as I can, get my breath back, which means I still might be exercising for 20 or 30 minutes, but I'm working at 100%. Every time I go, I'm putting in 100% effort. And I'm going to use this really cool analogy, which I use all the time. Uh, one of the challenges with uh, <laughs> the programs that we give people to get fit, 100% effort, 100% result. But if I haven't fully recovered from my 100% effort, I can't then put in another 100% effort. I have to wait till I'm fully recovered. Muscles are the same. 
But the differences between the heart and lungs, the phosphate system for sprinting, is I can recover that very quickly. So I can go again at 100% in a pretty short period of time, but I've got to wait till I'm fully recovered. So the analogy I use is if you go to the bathroom and you do a number two in the toilet, and sometimes when you do that, the number two doesn't go away. <laughs> so you have to press the button again to get rid of the number two. One of the things we do as impatient humans, we often don't wait for the cistern in the toilet to fill back up again, and we press the button before it's filled up. And of course, we don't then get a full flush, so we then can't get rid of the number two out of the toilet. If you want full pressure from your toilet, you've got to wait till the cistern fills back up again. Well, the phosphate system in your human body is exactly the same. Go as hard as you possibly can, but don't go again until you've fully recovered, you've got your heart rate back to normal, so that you can put in another 100% effort. If you go and you're still puffing, you won't be able to put that 100% in again. So you put in 50% effort, you get 50% result. So how do I get people fit? Get them puffed and recover, puffed and recover. How do I get people strong? Lift as heavy as I can, do as many as I can, use as many muscles at the same time as I possibly can, and then I have to recover. Muscles are slightly different, though, than the phosphate system for, for your cardiovascular and, and puffy, huffy, puffy heart pumping is that when we lift something heavy, we're not getting stronger when we're lifting. We actually break down or put micro tears in the muscle fibers, which is a good thing, because what happens is when they break down, they then have to recover, regenerate, and then super compensate, one of my favorite words. So really interesting, interesting thing to take note of, how often do I need to exercise or how often, how often do I need to lift heavy things? Huffy puffy, I can do 20, 30, 40, 50 times throughout the day. I've just got to get puffed, wait till I recover, get puffed, wait till I recover. But the muscular system, those little tiny micro tears, they have to recover, regenerate, and then get stronger, super compensate. So how do I know that I'm getting stronger? Well, that's easy, isn't it? I can lift heavier. So if I lift something and then I go and lift again in two or three days' time, if I can't lift heavier, I haven't super compensated. And it seems to be, that again, that hang-up in the exercise profession where we go by numbers, three days a week, three sets of 10, 15 exercises. Why? <laughs> my muscles, my muscular system, my skeletal system, my muscles and bones can't count. They don't know how many exercises I do. All my body knows is I need to use every single muscle, bone, ligament, tendon and joint. I need to fire up my endocrine system, fire up my central nervous system and then give it time to recover. How do I know I've recovered? I can lift heavier than I did last time. The beautiful thing about the Huffy Puffy system, how do I know I'm getting fitter? When you get really puffed, it takes a time period for that phosphate system to recover, for your heart rate to go back to normal. But if I get really puffed and it takes me three, four minutes for my heart rate to get back to normal, but the next time I get puffed, it takes me 20 seconds to get back to normal or one minute to get back to normal. Whatever that time frame is from the last time I got puffed, if that's getting shorter and shorter, I'm obviously getting fitter and fitter. So number one is my resting heart rate. That will come down as I get fitter. And number two, the time frame it takes me to recover from 100% effort. So get puffed. How long does it take me to get my heart rate back to normal? As that time frame gets shorter, that means I'm getting fitter. Now, why is this so important? And as an exercise professional, if I get people really fit and I get people really strong, uh, how different will their life be? 
But the third part of being an exercise professional is this. Is it possible that every person that we come in contact with, every human being that comes into our life, is a different, individual, unique human being? So there's some fundamentals to get fit. You've got to get puffed. Some fundamentals to getting strong. You've got to overload every single muscle and bone in your body. But that process is different for each individual person. Some people like to run, some people like to punch, some people like to play sports, some people like to go skiing. Doesn't matter what people love to do, let's just get them puffed doing it. Or let's get them really puffed doing something so they can go and do all those things that they want to do. But I have to customise, tailor and personalise an exercise program for each individual person. So we often get caught up in, as the question I asked at the start, what if there were no bells, whistles, toys, gym equipment, exercises, pills, programs, potions, the whole lot of stuff that the exercise profession uses to inspire people to exercise. What if we went back to zero-based thinking? How do I get people fit? How do I get people strong? And then most importantly, how do I customize and tailor and personalize getting fit and getting strong to each individual person? And I'll just ask some very simple questions from my heart to yours as an exercise professional. If I wanted to inspire the 80, 90% of people that don't want to exercise, so I'm not talking now to the people that are committed to their exercise, they love it, they'll keep going, whether it's rain, hail, shine, summer, winter, Easter time, Santa time, doesn't matter, they're going to exercise. I'm talking about the people who either don't exercise now or they're the start-stop people. If I wanted to inspire those people to exercise, to get fit and strong and stay that way for the rest of their life, would I give them a long program or a short program? Would I give them an exercise program that fits in with their lifestyle or doesn't fit in with their lifestyle? Would I give them foods to eat that they love or foods to eat they don't love? It's one of those really interesting things about food and that's a whole other story. But it seems in the exercise profession we tell people what they can't have, mustn't have, don't have, shouldn't have instead of asking people what do you love to eat and what don't you love to eat and why are you eating the way you are at the moment? Would I give somebody 27 exercises to do or 15 exercises to do? Or would I aim to give them as little as possible? And here's a great question. What is the least amount of exercise I can do for every human being to make sure that they're fit and strong? And this is where it's an interesting question because even if you are a person who's in that 10% group who loves to exercise and you would never miss a day and you love going to the gym seven days a week and you love doing 27 exercises and three sets of 10 and you would never miss, is it possible that there'll come a day, one day, that maybe you're busy or you've got kids or your job takes you somewhere where there's no gym or you just you don't have the time to exercise because life is different than it is at the moment. Rather than how much exercise I have to do to get healthy, fit and strong, could it be a really great question as exercise professionals that we should be asking what is the least amount of exercise that we can get people to do with the least amount of toys. Uh, There's always going to be toys. There's always going to be gyms and new equipment and new programs and new fancy fads and fit fashion and and all sorts of stuff. I've been in this profession for 40 plus years and there's always new stuff. But I love the fundamentals and the basics. How do I get people fit doing what they love to do to get puffed? How do I get people strong 
in the shortest amount of time with the least number of exercises, with the least amount of toys. So if there's no toys, and if anything it's that, that a worldwide medical pandemic has taught me is that if the gym's closed and there's no equipment, <laughs> how do I get people strong? Can they lift their own body weight? Can they lift a wheelbarrow full of sand? Can they lift a bucket full of water? Can they lift a... A child, one of the really fun things in New Zealand were people who were lifting their cows and their sheep and their their uh, puppy dogs and their children just to stay. And I'm using sheep as an example because there was a really cool guy, guy in New Zealand during Happy Homestay that was actually staying strong by lifting a sheep. He was, he was squatting and deadlifting his own sheep. The human body doesn't know what we're lifting and doesn't know what we're doing to get puffed. But if we get, if we lift heavy, we will get strong. And if we get puffed, we will get fit. And if we're fit and if we're strong, will our life be different? And this is the exciting thing for me about being an exercise professional, which uh, I just would love the whole world to be as excited as me. If I'm healthy, fit and strong, will I have a brain that can think more clearly, make better decisions, feels happier, is less likely to be depressed, has little or no chance of ever having Alzheimer's and dementia, and I'll never have to be concerned about being mentally weak because I'll be mentally tough and strong? Is it possible that if I'm a healthy, fit, strong human being, I'll have an immune system that can fight germs, bugs, viruses, and diseases? So I'll either never get fit, never get fit, never get sick because I'm so fit, or if I do get sick, I'll be able to fight that germ, bug, virus, or disease and get rid of it really quickly, and it's less likely to ever come back again. If I'm really fit and strong, will I have better posture, stronger teeth? brighter eyes, better skin, better fingernails? Uh, will I have a um, better self-esteem because all those things are working better? Will my clothes look better on me because I have good posture? And because I feel good about myself, I walk differently because I've got great self-esteem and, and self-confidence. So always ask these great questions. Do you want to turn your body into a happy drug pumping machine, germ bug and virus and disease fighting machine into a calorie burning, fat burning, sugar burning, food burning machine because obviously when you're fit and strong you have a really fast metabolism and it stays fast for the rest of your life. Do you want to have a body that has a stack of energy, performs at its best, looks great in the mirror and you get the results that you want from your exercise plan because you want to have a high performing, energetic, healthy, fit, strong body. And if that's our, if that's our mission as exercise professionals, as coaches, as parents, as teachers, to get people really fit and strong so they have a stack of energy, perform at their best, love what they see in the mirror and get the results that they want from their eating and exercise plan because it doesn't take too long. Let's go back to the basics. How quickly can I get somebody fit and strong? What's the least amount of time, the least number of exercises, the least amount of, of effort that I have to put in? And wouldn't it be exciting? And I'll just ask this question, what if? What if we could get so fit and strong that our body would be a germ, virus-fighting, bug-fighting machine, calorie-burning machine, high-energy, high-performance machine, and all we had to do was 10 seconds of huffy-puffy exercise several times throughout the day and to lift something heavy one, maybe two times every week because we need the time to recover. What if? Please, as an exercise professional, please learn your anatomy, learn your physiology. Don't become the expert in somebody else's opinion. Don't regurgitate somebody else's opinion. Don't Please don't get caught up in the 
the bells and whistles and fads and fashion and pills and powders and programs and potions and all the different things that are there. What if we didn't have those? What if we could just get people fit and strong by getting puffed and lifting heavy and it didn't matter what we did to get puffed and whatever we lifted, we did it safely so that we don't injure people? What if we could give people a healthy, fit, strong body in a short period of time so that even if they didn't like to exercise, it only took up a couple of minutes, literally, at the most every day. And you really could be a healthy, fit, strong human being in just minutes a week. What if that was possible?